This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at the Popcorn Talk Network. Today, we get into the holiday season with The Nutcracker and the Four Realms from Disney. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Get on out into the dance floor. Do the waltz as we talk about this movie. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. I am Phil Svitek. Missing in action today is Dimitri Panos. He had to waltz away. He got stuck in the fourth round. He did indeed. But time moves differently there. For those of you who are joining us and have no idea what we're talking about, that's probably because you haven't seen the movie. Speaking of which, I forewarn you, our discussion is not a simple review discussion. It it assumes that you've seen the movie, so we are going to be a little bit spoiler-filled. So, pause us, go see the movie, and then return to us. Although, if you don't care about spoilers, then you know what? That's on you. You have been warned. Speaking of that, as I said, we're not just a simple movie review show. Yes, we're going to talk about storylines and plot developments, but we're also going to go behind the scenes on a lot of this. We're going to talk about the box office, or in this case, unfortunately, the lack thereof, and what led to it, and all that stuff in between. Now, it's going to be very information-filled, so hopefully we deliver, but we don't can't get to everything. So for your convenience, there's a PDF in our description that allows you to see all of our various notes so you can dive even deeper. And, of course, last but not least, we encourage you to leave us a comment. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on the movie. We truly, truly appreciate it. As much as we love talking about these movies, uh, what we love is kind of building the community that we have and seeing what everyone else thought of the movies. That's what makes it truly, truly wonderful. Um, So there you have it. And last but not least, I guess, I don't mention this all too often, which I'm remiss to say, but if you have other people in your life that like movies and might enjoy this show, recommend it to them. Why not? It's, uh, after all, if we're getting into the holiday season, it's all about gift giving, isn't it? And what better gift than anatomy of a movie? <laughs> right. All right. So let's start with overall impressions of the movie. Marissa, kick us off. Okay. So I went into this film knowing, I mean, it's called The Nutcracker, which is obviously famous ballet and famous music. So I went in with just like knowing that, but didn't realize like the story that they tried to flush out. So I, I thought that was um, fun to, to follow like a, a somewhat new story that no one really knows of. So it felt original a little bit in that sense. Visually stunning. I will give Disney all the credit for that. Like VFX galore, and it looked nice. And the colors were fun, especially when we go to the different realms, even down to the wardrobes as over-the-top as they were. It fit for the realms that were in and the personalities that they had. Um, So visually, this movie was great. Story, and we'll get more into it. I, I felt like some plots weren't as fully developed as they could be. Some characters weren't as fully developed as they could be. But you do have to go in realizing this is a kid's story. This is a family story. Kids have to enjoy it. So it has to be, not say dumbed down, but simplified more 
so mm-hmm. kids can enjoy it. Um, and I, I like the actors, and they, they have their parts, but not as visually great, but story-wise, somewhat lacking. Yeah, I, I would kind of overall share that sentiment. I saw it in 3D, and I thought visually stunning in that respect. Uh, truthfully, like Marissa, I didn't know much about the Nutcracker going into it. Um, I, I knew kind of that there was a lore and that and that it was this thing, and I was excited for Disney to have their take on it. I really was. Um, you know, overall, I don't I don't know what I was expecting, but I I wasn't as let down as most people, believe it or not. Um, you know, from that perspective, I I feel like there's a lot of people who go into especially classic Disney movies expecting almost like revisionist history or like something new. And what I appreciate that Disney thus far has done is tell classic stories in a simple way. And, you know, like, yes, you could say, like, they're cliche, but they're cliche because they're classics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with this, I I didn't really know the storyline all too well, but just the way it's told, it is very simple. Now, I think there's ways that could have stuck to the classic elements and gone a little bit bigger, let's say, more emotional, let's say. Um, so it's interesting, you know, I haven't quite pinpointed it out for me, but, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't fully satisfied with it, but I wasn't dissatisfied like most other people. Yeah. And I liked how they changed the, the already preconceived notions of what each character is supposed to be. And they did change some cliche, um, aspects of the characters. Like some people that you think are good are actually bad. And some people that you think are bad are actually good. And I liked how they gave it those type of modern day twists that fit with today's age. That's watching these films. Because I mean, we, we had, uh, we, we had our lead Mackenzie, um, who, who played Claire, like she's like most Disney women leading ladies like she's very independent she's very smart and you knew those skills and intelligence were going to help her throughout the entire film um so i i liked how they they kind of made each character a little bit more modern yeah absolutely that was one of the big things they wanted to really portray not a damsel in distress and certainly i think they pulled that off at least the sentiment of it um Part of what they were going after was like an Alice in Wonderland type of feel where you enter this other realm. Um, and visually, they certainly, as we mentioned, kind of were able to accomplish that. And I think like on paper, I think if you read the outline, it reads well. It's just some of the execution therein that that doesn't uh, fully mesh. Um, I mean, again, on paper, beat by beat, I appreciate like the tie in with the mother and the mother leaving, and that's what the Sugar Plum Fairy got upset about. Like, all these mm. things, and, in, in, you know, it's a, to me, I don't know, I, I have to kind of defer to you. Um, you know, if you were a little girl watching this, the message of, like, you had the power within you, that's a pretty be, powerful message for I'd a be little. all for it, and I'm thinking I'm all for that, even as a grown woman. And uh, I, I think those universal themes still carry throughout, and that's why I say it, it does seem more modern because today's, demographic can watch this film and enjoy it so and i'll give that that's what they they definitely honed in on that um but for character and development for the writing we'll get more into it lacking but the <clears throat> themes are there the message is there and i appreciate that um mm-hmm. this movie like you said uh 
Uh, definitely the Alice in Wonderland. It, it definitely had a feel. I think this movie is like if Alice in, in Wonderland and Chronicles of Narnia had a baby. It's this film. Fair enough. I, yeah, I mean, uh, some of the techniques I absolutely loved, like um, the way she found her Christmas gift. The, the, well, all mm-hmm. of them technically with the strings and you follow the strings. Right. Uh, to be honest, I, I've never seen that before. Uh, and I think that's that's amazing. That's a fun little game to, to get your gift. And, of course, it leads her into the other realm. The other realm. And when that moment where she's following the string and she went into a snowy land, I was like, this is Narnia right now. This is literally Lion and Witch in the Wardrobe. Um, great story. C.S. Lewis is literally one of my favorite authors. And I, as a fan of that, I also appreciated it, it too. Not that it bothered me. I was like, okay, that's cool. I like the concept. Um, and it just, it was amazing how it just naturally led to the second location because you wondered, like, where the heck is this going? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was seamless because everyone else went away and she just went on her own. Yeah. And just to give a little context, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King is what this is based off of uh, Hoffman's uh, story. And then, of course, um, kind of there's a the ballet Tchaikovsky, Ch- Ch- you know, put together for this. So, But there's never really been... As much as Disney, like, they took Cinderella and made it live action, and, mm-hmm. like, The Nutcracker has never really been a film that Disney's put together, um, certainly not one that, like, I have a recollection of being a past film that I was able to see, and so um, I appreciate them tackling this. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Mackenzie. She actually has seen uh, The Nutcracker a number of times as a child, which is kind of fascinating so she of all people was at least familiar with it right into it and the thing is like nutcracker is more of a theater performance uh, stage performance rather than like on screen in, in that sense so is you do have to if you want to see the nutcracker you have to not to say go out of your way but you do have to make the effort to see it in a different medium than is film or television where we usually see the other stories that have been adapted so to speak um, but I like that. I like that she, you know, grew up watching and she's very familiar with the context uh, and the story and the characters. So it makes sense that she would be more, uh, you know, attached to it emotionally. What did you, th- th- there's a criticism that it doesn't have as much dancing, let's say. I mean, did you, think- did you guys not love Misty Copeland? I mean, she's literally the biggest ballerina that is today, right now, in our society. She is the, um, you, you know, like, the, the, it, she's literally the main, when you think of ballerinas, you think of Misty Copeland, just in this generation, right mm-hmm. now. She She's the it girl. Okay. So, I think having her was enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I well. I guess, you know, for just to state a different way, like, I don't think from a story and plot sense, I really needed more dancing than was displayed. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, like, I, story-wise, it's, it, this story doesn't, t- like, I know it's a ballet, but just because it is a ballet, they are adapting it into a movie, and, and the, the movie tells a certain story, and dancing happens at small portions, like her and her father... Like that's a big plot device, and they dance at the end, but it it's not a 
musical. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, people know the dancing aspect because when you go to theater, it's literally all dancing. So I can understand when they go to a film where there's stories actually developed and characters trying to be developed, which are more padded into a film rather than just dancing. Um, I can see why people say it's missing mm -hmm. that main aspect. But I think there was enough dancing in it that you understand that they appreciated what it came from. Mm -hmm. um, to have Misty is like all time right now. And, it, and I like how it does transition the importance or at least let the audience know um, this is what the story is. And then we get into more Clara's story once we get to the different realms. Absolutely. When we get to the realm, we meet the Nutcracker, right? Captain Philip. Which is going to be weird to talk about. Yeah, right. Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, we'll just call him the Nutcracker, at least from my perspective. Where I had the biggest problem was with the actual Nutcracker. Simply because you, through no fault of the actors, I just didn't necessarily love the look of him. They they put like um, not the lipstick but like whatever it is on his lips, glowy, glittery powder stuff. Yeah, and and I know he's a Nutcracker, so he's not supposed to be that animated or emotional. But I just wanted something a little bit more, okay. and I, I don't know how else to explain that apart from that. But when you have a movie called The Nutcracker and the Form Realms, Form Realms were great. The Nutcracker, a little disappointing. Interesting. I actually liked the Nutcracker um, more so that the fact that they gave him a story. I think it was awesome in the fact that he's, you know, uh, a black man, um, which is so rare for Disney to have a black leading man. I was like, go Disney. Uh, you know, go Jaden for you know the actor who, who played him. I thought it was cool. And he was likable throughout. And he definitely helped Clara throughout her journey. Um, doesn't add to the... The title of this movie, um, it, I think, actually thinks it does a disservice because it's not the Nutcracker, it's, so to speak. It's Clara. So I think they use the Nutcracker as a marketing device because everyone knows the Nutcracker. Well, to me, I mean, it could have been no different than like Peter Pan is really the story of Wendy, mm -hmm. but you call it Peter Pan. Or <laughs> then ironically, the story of Peter Pan is actually called Hook. <laughs> Right. So, you know, in, in that sense, I'm okay with it, but you would just think that the Nut... I, I don't know. Again, I guess that's where you and I differ. I just thought he would have a bigger role. And I don't know. Bigger also, to me, means emoting more. And honestly, I didn't really think that the Nutcracker was going to have a role because I can't really, really remember the last time Nutcracker, just as a character, ever had a storyline. So the fact that he had a cool storyline... And he did a lot of integral things throughout the movie. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, I like it. I got more out of the Nutcracker than I expected. And I like that. Um, and I, I like the, the actor. I think he, he, this is one of his biggest roles. And it's only really his second role. Um, I'd like to see where his career goes. Because I think he has great potential. And I would too. Because I think, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it one last time. And then I won't say it again. I think I think he is a good actor, just not fully utilized. Like, mm -hmm. um, what, what, why am I blanking on the movie The Princess Bride? Like, if he was more of um, Wellesley, uh, like a character like yeah. that, and for if you haven't seen that movie, just literally watch like the first, let's say five minutes. Yeah, Wesley. Yeah, where he's kind of a servant to 
this woman and he's just so charismatic <laughs> and just says, as you wish, as you wish. Whereas I didn't get that same loving personality from that car. Anyway, I'm going to get off that. Okay. Uh, uh, let's talk about the mouse because the original one's called the Nutcracker and the Mouse King. They have a mouse king here, but it's uh, uniquely different than what the original. Mouse king, more so thousands of mice together forming one giant king. Yes. Um, it's interesting because obviously he's supposed to be portrayed as evil initially and then he turns good, um, which is interesting from the standpoint of uh, like... To be honest, I don't necessarily know too many people that like. I associate my mice with rats, and rats I don't like. Well, they they are rodent family. I actually love mice. I had a pet mouse <laughs> as a teenager. No, legitimately, I, I had a pet mouse for two years. I named her Piper after Charmed. Um, so I actually like mice. It's fun. Um, they're cute and they smell like hell, but they're cute. Um, <laughs> so I actually when they give when they gave that little mouse personality. And a character, I also wasn't expecting that because that's fun for the kids. Kids love, and it, it turns that, yeah, rodents and mice really don't have a positive connotation unless you're Cinderella from the 1960s version. And, you know, you have Gus Gus or something where the, the mice are helpful and, and lovable and sweet in, in that sense. So I, I liked how these, this mouse and all the mice, they, like, they gave them personalities. And they were funny. They were actually funny. <laughs> they were. I mean, this this entire movie hinges on subverting your expectations. So the fact that uh, the mice are different and aren't necessarily evil. And then, of course, uh, Mother Ginger. That's the big plot twist, if you will. Um, you know, which is in tandem with... Shug- like three plot twists in this movie. <laughs> uh, did you see him coming? No, not really. Really? Okay. No. Fair enough. I mean, for the most part, I knew that something wasn't as it seemed. I mean, especially like this whole world is built upon nothing is as what it seems. All right. I didn't expect And if we're going into Mother Ginger and working in tandem with Sugar Plum, I didn't expect Sugar Plum. I kind of realized there was something with Mother Ginger. Like she she can't be as <laughs> bad because when they, we first see her, I was like, she she doesn't seem that scary. She just seems like a sad woman that has been done wrong that wasn't as surprising as sugar fairy sugar plum yeah so let's talk about that first off kudos to kira knightley because i i did not realize this was her <laughs> so i got okay. lost in the performance to be honest I love Kira Knightley. I mean, we just talked Colette and and her. We've talked about other films of hers. I think she's a great actress, and very rarely do we actually see Kira Knightley play dislikable characters. And that the way they establish Sugar Plum, very light, very sweet, very high pitched. Like you can't distrust her. She's so nice, you know. And and I think that's what they did a great job of having the plot twist with her character that she's actually the villain. You're not expecting it because she appeared so nice and loving. But she has motivation, right? That one of the things I do appreciate about this movie is from her perspective, um, Mary or Maria, right? The mother, she left this realm. She created this magical world and then she left them to be and she's disappointed by that. And it, her actions aren't necessarily 
right, but you understand them. Abandonment issues. Yeah. So, because especially given her, like, I don't think her bubbly personality is fake. I, I think it's just it became misguided. Yeah, a little bit. And and, I, and it was also very realistic, too. There's like, yeah, you created us and you loved us for, like, a few moments, like toys, and tossed us aside. And I, I think that's that was very disheartening for a character, and you kind of did feel for her. Um, the way she turned so quickly within 20 seconds, you're like, wait, what? What is she doing? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I could see that. Um, which, by the way, you know, you know, another trope of Disney movies is a, certainly a parent being killed off. Oh, yeah. Or, or at least dead. Killed they established off that so quick in this movie. <laughs> So but probably I don't even think the credits were rolling be- before, and they're like, "Yeah, your mother's dead." Sorry. Yeah, but interesting, you know, kind of sorry to take off off subject of Sugar Plum, but but it's interesting to note that um, Clara goes against her father and says, like, you know, you're being selfish equally is like you're attributing selfishness to me. You're being very selfish, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I've never. I, I don't believe I've seen that from a Disney movie like that strong willed. Oh yeah, and like you don't, and you don't really see kids go against their parents ever mm. in a Disney film. That's not their way. Um, it, it's definitely their way of killing off a parental figure. <laughs> but um, you, you're not expecting. So it, it already establishes Clara's. Um, strong will at the beginning um, that she is like she does challenge authority and not only does she but she also has a means of the fact that she is so inventive and so smart uh, certainly like the whole lesson going back to that idea that she has this within her and she just needs to bring it out against the sugar plum fairy that's what ends up saving the day is her ingenuity mm-hmm. uh, you know her mother her mother creates something, and and now McKen- or Clara tinkers with it and is able to adjust it to save the day. In this case, against the Sugar Plum Fairy. Yeah, and I like that she's smart, and they use the the running themes of time and gears, and clocks, and switches and stuff that, that that she can figure out the the smallest things that make the biggest difference, um, such as switching a gear to the left or whatever that completely throws out the whole contraption. And it's genius in that way. Absolutely. Um, what did you think of the final act? There's lots kind of happening in there and um, and whatnot. I, I, thought, I thought it was an enjoyable last act. You know, granted, some of the stuff that got us there may have been a little bit bumpy, but once, when, once like, kind of the final plan is revealed, mm-hmm. then all systems go, essentially. I thought it was fun. It, it was definitely kind of like the showdown in a way i've actually seen it it could have been bigger it didn't feel as epic as we've seen disney you know big showdowns in that sense uh big enough that you understand oh a lot of action is happening we're fighting here we're fighting there people are fighting outside we're fighting inside um a lot of action and it's fun i actually i think there is a bigger action scene in the the second movie of santa claus which was also disney Hmm. Um, and it had a lot of the same uh, scenes and themes because that is, they also blew up Nutcrackers and toy tin soldiers in that Hmm. film as well. So I have found a lot of parallelisms. It's Disney. Yeah. And so speaking of the end, 
I, let's also talk about kind of the ending where, you, you know, initially she goes up against her father, her father goes up against her. But the, the, I love the resolution where they have that connection back to their mother and she realizes, like, listen, um, I can disarm him. Like, rather than be combative, we can have a, a relationship and I can do what he wants, but, but it all comes from a place of love and he understands me and so forth. And that, I thought, like, emotionally the ending was very fitting. I think it was great, especially where, you know, when you're younger and you lose a parent, you tend to separate yourself from a lot of people. It's like that's not everyone, but that is one of the main things you do when it comes to loss. So it makes sense that Claire was separating herself and not agreeing with her father on those terms. But to realize, like, yes, you're still my father, you're still in my life, and she has that good... It feels like absence makes the heart grow stronger in that sense that she got even more closer to her father afterwards. Absolutely. Uh, any other sort of story points that you want to talk about before we shift gears into kind of more production? Um, overall, it was fun. I like the twist of what you think is a villain and what you think is a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk... We we haven't talked about we talked about Mother Ginger and we um, talked about Clara, but I want to go more specifically with with the actors just a little bit. Mackenzie Foy in particular, um, you know, as you can imagine, when Kira Knightley gets interviewed or Mackenzie, you imagine the question of like, what did what did Kira Knightley teach you? And I love her response of Mackenzie Foy. She's already smart enough. She didn't need direction from me mm-hmm. to pull off the role. And I like how Kira's now in that position where she can impart her experience and wisdom upon now the younger generation. Because I remember when Kira Knightley blew up back in 2003 with the Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, so I, I like how Kira has such an established career that she can teach the younger generation. But when she realizes the talent that Mackenzie already had, like, no, let her be her own. She doesn't need me. Absolutely, and um, the, the, I I would encourage you. There, there's a great um, series from Wired magazine where they where Mackenzie and Kira answer Google's most searched questions, and it's and it's really I love funny. Those yeah, uh, it, it, it's a riot. So I highly suggest watching that. Kira Knightley, like, who do you most look like? Natalie Portman. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fairness. Uh, Kira did play the the handmaiden to Padme in Star Wars. Like she was the decoy. She was begging for it. Yeah, I was like they established that early. Uh, Well, also Mackenzie Foy gets asked, "Are you related to Claire Foy?" And she's like, "I don't think so." (laughs) No. Be nice. Coincidence. Last name. Uh, Anywho, uh, from a production standpoint, there's a lot of interesting things that happen. First off. Uh, this movie came out way... It, it got switched with Mulan, which actually messed me up because I actually thought Mulan for a long time was coming out. <laughs> Eventually, it's coming out. I mean, I'm actually really excited for that one. It is, but... Um, so from that standpoint, I mean, you know, it's kind of more of a bullet point as far as m- how most publications and so forth write about it, but you can imagine that that sped up the timeline, in essence, to deliver this movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie has so many visual effects, which takes a long time to just create and render. But, you know, Disney, they're a powerhouse, so they they can pull this off, and they have pulled this off time and time again. 
Yeah, but even even then, like, um, so they have two credited directors, um, Lass Hallstrom and Joe Johnston. Um, Lass having done the one, certainly I feel like you would be most familiar with, as well as our audience, is Chocolat. Yeah, Chocolat. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> I love that film. Uh, it is it is a classic. Um, Joe Johnston, of course, a little bit more high profile. Captain America, the first Avenger, October Sky, and one of my more favorite Rocketeer. I like that one too. Oh, I love October Sky. Hmm. So there you go. Well, um, you know, from that perspective, I, like I'd love to know a little bit more of that side of it. But um, they had to do about a month's worth of reshoots, for, um, and. Last was unavailable to do the reshoots because he was still kind of in production. So Joe Johnston took over the reshoots while Last continued to essentially work on post-production, which this is conjecture on my part, but I think part of that may be due to the fact that, again, they have an accelerated timeline of getting mm-hmm. this movie out. Yeah, with the same amount of effects that they were going for already. So, I mean, kudos to them for pulling off such a big feat in a shorter amount of time. And especially with reshoots, can like really f up your schedule. But they they made it work, so good for them. Um, cinematography wise, I mean they they shot and the classic cinemascope ratio. Um, so I don't know about you, but I saw this movie in a regular theater. You saw it in three D. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, but the first opening shot, yeah, I immediately thought, I'm sure that looked pretty awesome in three D. Because it did. they're going through the city and all that. It this movie looked wonderful from start to finish. I think I like I love the color of it. I loved it, like in particular when they're going through that clock and they're seeing time slow down at the original party. Yeah. That was a wonderful scene to watch. Um, Linus Sand Sandgren is the cinematographer. He's uh, he's really well known. Works a lot with uh, Damien Chazelle, or at least did La La Land. Um, but has worked with David O. Russell on American Hustle and Joy. So um, not necessarily a household name, but uh, but has done a lot. Yeah, and the cool thing about this movie, yes, it's like a lot of visual effects and whatnot, but the actual locations and the set, they, they use as many practical sets as they could. Um, since uh, the, the Drosselmeyer house, um, that was actually a real location. And um, and if you saw like big rooms and stuff, they were actual sound stages that were dressed up like to the nines in, in that sense. So they tried to be as practical as they could be to get the most natural, authentic um, performances. And granted, these are younger, essentially like the 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 majority of this cast is actually fairly young, and they wanted to. Um, surround their actors with a lot of color and a lot of brightness to get more authentic performances from them. Well, then, in a kind of odd sense, even though it's fantasy, it is somewhat of a period piece. Um, So, you know, they had to take the influences of, let's say, England and so forth and, um, you know, Russia and and kind of sprinkle this throughout, right? And, And from that perspective, I thought... They have the the leeway to be a little bit creative, but at the same time, I love that they're able to draw from these inspirations, as you said. Like you, you, even just the their costumes when they go into battle against Mother Ginger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought Clara Clara's costuming was just fantastic throughout. I liked it, and you saw the progression of her character with the wardrobe too, because she starts off with this 
the, the iconic blue dress that she's wearing. But then when she gets more into the realms and they immediately change her outfit to more pink. And uh, so she's getting more assimilated into the the realm that she's in. And then like the next day, she's now in a toy soldier costume. Like she's really part of that. She's not really, uh, I mean, she's human, but she's not like associated with her type of people she's associated with the people in that area and that in those realms so like i loved how her costumes changed and then when she went back to her real world she went back to the blue so we she had a big wardrobe change in the course of an hour and a half yeah and of course the form realms just full clarity land of flowers land of snowflakes land of sweets and the, the fourth, fourth realm. realm. <laughs> the fourth realm. Which, of course, actually did have a title, but I, I like that as the plot point that they, we don't talk about the fourth realm. <laughs> the fourth realm. Um, it's, it's taboo. But also, if you think about it, this film, we really only focused solely just on the fourth realm. We, we hardly saw the other realms. They, they were mentioned. We saw maybe two, three shots of each, but we never stayed really in those realms. Yeah, we, we for along. So this movie could have been called the next, like Clara in the Two Realms, really. <laughs> well, or the Fourth Realm, just more direct, right? Instead of the Form Realm, Form Realms. Uh, yeah, it primarily took place in the palace in the Fourth Realm, mm-hmm. um, and and the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> and the bridge. <laughs> I, I, which, by the way, was just a funny part of it uh, when they're all frozen, and just, especially the horse just getting unfrozen, if you will. Yeah, but I did like the visual differences of the different realms. You know, Land of Flowers reminded me of Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Did you see the whole yellow brick road? Literally in a circle that came to a point. It was was definitely ripped off of Wizard of Oz. Homage. Yeah, yeah, homage. Yeah, you can say that. But not that it bothered me, but I was like, okay, cool. Um, Snowflakes, I would never want to stay there because it's cold and it's ice. and, And sweets, I would stay there because, you know, candy. And sweets, sugar, why, why not? But I did love the visual differences. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely tell which realm you wanted to stay in. Absolutely. So uh, let's let's now shift gears and talk about the music because obviously when you have a ballet, the music's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, the music was also important. James Newton Howard does the score for this. He's known for movies such as Blood Diamond, which I love, Batman Begins, Signs, King Kong, uh, and... And he was very much inspired by the Tchaikovsky, you know, Nutcracker Suite of 1892. See, that's how far back this stuff goes. So long. Um, and I loved, I loved the classical. You know, they didn't try to update it in any sort of way. I, I appreciate that it had still that classical feel to it all. Yeah, and there were moments where in this movie they cut back to the original music, and they they had performances where. People were sitting there and or standing, watching them perform the music. So it's not like they completely ignored the original um, source of where the story came from. And I like how they did hone in on the iconic score. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and they actually debuted a song um, at Dancing with the Stars, uh, Fall on Me, the, the duet by... Um, Andrea Bocelli. And his son, Matteo. Yeah, I love Andrea Bocelli. I grew up with Andrea Bocelli because my dad loves his voice. What did you think of the song, Fall on Me? Gorgeous. I mean, come on. It's Andrea. You you can't go wrong, (laughs) honestly. Gorgeous. 
Did you watch that episode of Dancing with the Stars? I did not, but I heard this one. This was a Disney night that premiered October 22nd, 2018. Jeff, are you in the booth? Yeah. Cute. I don't think he's in the booth. I think we got another answer, okay. but that's okay. If you haven't heard it, go play it. Um, anywho, uh, one of the things I wanted to get from your perspective, since you are such a Disney fanatic, uh, interestingly enough, Kira Knightley, during her press tour, was kind of asked about Disney princesses, and she was very candid about the fact that she doesn't want her daughter to watch, like, certainly not The Little Mermaid, um, mm. because of the the message that it teaches, which is interesting when you're promoting a Disney movie to bash Disney princesses. Well, I mean, and it's also different, but it also shows just how much Disney has evolved with their female lead roles. I mean, if you think about it, Little Mermaid, there is there's actually an older, older story of Little Mermaid that like goes back to, I believe, like Russia... It's no, like it's Swedish. It, yeah, Swedish. Swedish or Danish. Yeah, it's like there, there's an old, old, old like Hans Christian, right? Yeah, so that's yeah, Danish. It's, yeah, it's Danish. Um, that's right. <laughs> As I'm remembering all this, so there's like original story, but Disney like to make like their characters. Granted, the Little Mermaid film was 1989, so back then, yeah, their women could were more so like damsels in distress, like. That little more Ariel needed or like needed help to find love, find a man, um, and he helped her. But also, she saved him first. So, and but you, you can see within the last twenty twenty five years that Disney women now really don't need a man. They can fend for themselves. They can save their own lives. They can save other people's lives. So, yeah. I think the message has switched in the last twenty years. Well, you're certainly right that things have evolved, right? The original, a lot of the, like, Hans Christian Andersen and uh, Brothers Grimm and things like that, like, everything just ended with death. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Little Mermaid got to stay alive well, was a big change already. Yeah, and she had multiple movies after the first Little <laughs> Mermaid, so she kept living afterwards. So let's say, uh, unfortunately, the Nutcracker in the Four Realms... Highly, highly underperformed for Disney. Mm-hmm. So far, a worldwide gross of $63 million, which might seem like a lot, but it's actually not given that this, just to produce, right? So yeah, this is just production budget, budget $133 million, let alone what it probably costs to market and promote. Uh, so not, not really that good. Uh, worst is the Rotten Tomato score of 34% and a Now the cinema score is not too bad B+. Plus. Okay. So, but but a lot of there's a lot of articles and about out out there that this came too early. Like we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet and we're promoting a what essentially is a holiday Christmas-esque movie. Right. And if you think about it, the Nutcracker is usually performed during Christmas time. But Disney also has another big Disney film coming out Christmas time. It's called Mary Poppins. Which and she returns. She returns. To and claim I'm, her throne. I'm so excited for Emily Blunt. So, and I think Disney's kind of, you know, the, not to say that they put themselves in a hole, but they, like, they, had to, they had a film, they had to release it. As close to, like, Thanksgiving, winter 
Christmas time as they can without already butting up against another film that they're already slated to release. Like, they have too many movies. That's their problem. Well, yeah, I mean, because especially now, once the Fox deal goes through, they've got Marvel, they've got Disney, they've got Star Wars. Yeah, they're going to really just be competing against themselves. Yeah, and if you think about it, it like so they release the Nutcracker now. It's probably going to play to December, um, to middle of December, up until Mary Poppins. Like they they might like overlap by a week or two. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if this does ramp up because it's certainly not the productions that they were hoping for. Um, although it's as of right now, it's not the only film this year that was big budget and underperformed for them. So, A Wrinkle in Time, which I was really looking forward to, and I was slightly disappointed by that. Uh, solo Star Wars Story underperformed. I actually like the movie more than most, so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't understand that one there. That movie still got, a, like, big numbers, but not as big as they could have or wanted. Yeah, listen, it's Disney. They want bigger, bigger, bigger go bigger. home. See, and that's the, like, for Disney, it's more of embarrassment of riches. Like, they have so many good films, and they have set the bar themselves. Like, they made their, they have to break their own records, and that's their issue. And they can't break their own records with their own movies. I mean, they can, but not you every. You can if for the worst, but right. you don't want but that. Like, not every film that they're going to release is going to break their own record. Yeah. Well, I think overall, Overall, I wanted this to be... I, I think if the execution was slightly better, I think this would have been a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, I don't... You know, to me, the timing of things, I think... To me, if it's a good movie, you can release it any time and people will go see it. I'm not of the belief that you have to be in a certain time period necessarily to put out a certain movie. Although, of course, it, I think it does help when you have a Halloween movie come out towards Halloween. But we've also seen horror movies come out throughout throughout the years. So the same thing goes for big blockbusters. You, you, people used to think only the summer you can have a big blockbuster. Now you can have a blockbuster year-round. So any final thoughts before we wrap up our coverage of The Nutcracker in the Four Realms? Honestly, it's fun. The characters are fun. The story is fun. Visually, it's gorgeous. Uh, I, there is some rewatchability factor for this. Granted, it is a family film. Families can enjoy this together. So I, I recommend it to the families. There you go. I'll echo that, and I'll say, you know, go check it out if you haven't done so already. 3D, um, it's, I think it adds a different element, especially if you have kids, but not necessarily 100% required. But, you know, if you have the extra bucks, why not? Anyway, thank you for joining us. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on the movie, what you thought of it. Uh, and we'll comment back. In the meantime, you can, of course, interact with at Serafini TV. That's right. That's Marissa. I'm at Phil Svitek, and down the pipeline, we're getting into Oscar season, but we've got lots of fun stuff coming up, as we mentioned, Mary Poppins to look forward to, so we'll be talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we get into the holiday schedule, this, the, our schedules will be kind of mixed up in terms of when we'll put out these. Normally, we, we put out things on a Friday, but, uh, you know, we want to do, for example, Creed, but... We're going to probably fit that in before Thanksgiving, because then once Thanksgiving hits, that has a lot of movies. Talk about embarrassment of riches. Oh, yeah. We're going to be overwhelmed ourselves. Yeah. But we will do our best. Also, for those of you who 
who just can't wait. Well, guess what? We have tons and tons of movies in our rear view that you can check out. A lot of, like, you can go through our Disney collection and consume almost like a week worth of viewing. Yeah. So I encourage you to do that. And last but not least, let a friend know about us. Until then, though, we'll see you next time. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network.